Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And uh, welcome to the uh, to the Star Trek with Aaron and Polly podcast, in which we're going to talk to you about episodes eight and nine of Star Trek Picard season two. And uh, and and we are we are right here, right here on the verge, on the on the precipice, Paul. Not only of the uh, season finale of Star Trek Picard, but also the season pr- premiere of Strange New Worlds. Yes, it, May fifth for both of them. I'm I'm very excited. I am very excited. Less excited that you're not going to be here next week to record with me uh, to talk about. Yeah, sorry about that. Or the <laughs> week after that to record it. Or the week after that. But within the first two or three episodes of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, we will have a recap episode. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It'll be a thing. <laughs> So, you know, they've released the uh, opening credits. You know, you, we've gotten to see the, uh, the, the, the opening uh, video for Strange New Worlds. It is just gorgeous. It is. It is a very well done opening credit sequence. Now, yeah. you know, much like any opening credit sequence, after about the first two times, I will skip it. But it's very pretty, and the, I, I I like the music yeah. of it very much. Yeah, well, it's very old school, original series uh, based. I mean, there it, it has really got a a very nostalgic sound to it. Um, I particularly enjoy the the images in it, and you know, yeah, I typically skip the opening credit sequences, particularly on Discovery. Um, but you <laughs> well, know, this one also, if this is actually the opening credits, it's a minute and fifty one seconds. Yeah, that's long. That's pretty long. I'm sure for they an got it trimmed back. I'm, I'm sure this was yeah. you know just for essentially cut as a teaser reel. But yeah. you know, there is a show that I always watch the credits, and sometimes you know rewind back to the beginning so I can watch it again, and that's Peacemaker. So I think what we're trying to say <laughs> is Star Wars or Star Star Wars Star Trek needs an opening opening dance number with Anson Mount uh, to make sure that I'm watching the opening credits each time. I don't know why they wouldn't have done that to begin with. Exactly. I mean, that feels like low-hanging fruit, yeah. as we say in the industry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's right. I think, you know, you, you get yourself some Anson Mount, some Rebecca Romaine, some Ethan Peck in there, you know, wiggling around. Um, I think that's what you do. Yeah, I'd watch yeah. it. Yeah, 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 same. That that one I would not skip. And, you know, even if it was a minute and 54 seconds like this car <laughs> I got to tell you. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful opening credit sequence. It really it's is. just, you know, I was watching it. I'm like, oh, this seems like it's a, it's going on a while. Yeah. Like you said, it'll be trimmed down for the eventual, um, you know, show, I'm sure. You know, most yeah. opening credit sequence are like a minute, minute and 20 seconds max. Yeah. I, I watched the... Uh, the cast commentary 
yesterday, uh, you know, in, in preparation for the first episode, uh, it was on the ready room. And so you had like Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck all talking about their characters and whatnot. Oh, nice. And, uh, I tell you what, it just, it's, it's got me just on the edge of my seat and as excited I, as excited as I am for the season finale of Picard, I, I mean, I am just wildly excited for Strange New Worlds. Now, I know you're going to be traveling, you know, the next mm-hmm. week or two. Are you going to get an opportunity to watch it, or are you going to have to wait till you get home? Oh, no, I, I will definitely watch it. Uh, I, in fact, I'll probably watch it that day. You just have no time so, for me. I get it. Yes. I get yes, it. I mean, I'm feeling a little <laughs> priorities here. <hard>. Yeah. <laughs> feeling a little hard here. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. You know, I think, um, you know, I was, I was just looking which is an interesting. So I will be traveling like Aaron said, and I will be, um, yeah. And I was looking at, uh, Paramount plus, and I was like, you know what? What after watching Picard this week, for some reason, oddly, I was in the mood to watch it. Honestly, it was probably because of the whole, um, has Star Trek, has uh, Picard's brother been retconned out of continuity? Um, you know, I was feeling that I wanted to watch Star Trek Generations. Mm-hmm. And I know that wasn't, you know, I think Renee. He's mentioned, but he's not seen. It, yeah, he's mentioned he's not seen. And is that the one where he dies or is it the yeah. one? Where, okay. Generations is the one where he burns up because some say time is a fire in which men burn. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to, you know, like this puts me in the mood to watch Generations, to revisit. Huh. The existence of Renee. What a terrible um, <laughs> And, uh, but you, did you know, you can actually download the original programming, certain original programming mm-hmm. on Paramount. You know, so, um, you know, I can download like season two of Picard, you know, and, and watch it. I can download yeah. certain shows. You cannot download the Star Trek movies. Really? Yeah, because I was, you know, we're flying, you know, and I was like, oh, well, I'll just watch uh, Generations on the plane. You know, that'll mm-hmm. be a good way to waste two hours. Um, and uh, I can't download it. I and that's why. frustrating to me. Yeah, you, I can I can play, I can add it to my watch list, or I can share a link, but uh-huh. I cannot download Star Trek Generations without actually purchasing it. Wow. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so have, that's a bummer. Have you uh, watched uh, the motion picture yet? I have not. Oh. Um, and I, I, I've been meaning to do that. You know, in fact, I was traveling to Atlanta recently, and I was going to watch it on the plane to there. And I know it's a short flight, flight but I was like, yeah, I can watch half of it on the way there, half of it on the way back. And I think that's where I discovered you uh, can't download yeah. um, the, the movies, which is such an unusual thing for me. Yeah, that is. Weird. Um, I mean, you know, like it's Paramount Plus. Just download it and remove it from your library after, you know, yeah. a month or something. I think that's pretty common. It must that's be some weird. type of contract thing. That's weird. Well, they own yeah. it though. Yeah. They, I mean, that, that's so weird. That's so weird. Well, I got to tell you, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I've watched it uh, one and a half times now, and I'm I'm going to go see it. I've already bought my ticket for the Fathom event. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. But you know, uh, <laughs> if you're looking forward to the all new Star Trek four film with the uh, Kelvinverse folks. Uh, it it is looking less and less likely that that's going to start shooting this year, as they had said. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the Who's Spock. Who's he playing? Spock. Oh, Zachary Quinto. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I kept pointing to say Quentin, and I'm like, that's not right. I know there's a Q in it. Uh, Zachary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going with Tarantino, but, you know, that's not correct. Anyway, he says still hasn't seen a script. They still have no firm go time, uh, and he is less and less uh, confident that they are going to start shooting this year. 
Mm. So, which, you know, I, I'm sorry. There's no way they're hitting that uh, drop date of uh, Christmas 2023. Isn't that what they promised, Christmas 2023? I believe so, yeah. yeah there's no fucking way. No. <laughs> That's just not <laughs> happening. Not with the level of effects these things have. Uh, you know, they're not going to put themselves in another, you know, Star Trek the motion picture scenario where, you know, you're rushing wet film, you know, to the uh, to the theaters. And, of course, we don't do film anymore. It's all digital. But, you know, wet digital <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, I, because, you know, the motion picture, there were unfinished scenes. You know, you could literally see the edges of the set in certain shots uh, because it wasn't done, you know, which is yeah. the whole reason why they did a a, a legitimate director's cut version in for DVD 20 years ago and then uh, upscaled it to 4K so that they could take it to the next level. But, you know, th- that movie was not finished when it released back in, you know, 79, 77, something like that. But uh, I, it, I, it's gorgeous. The motion picture is gorgeous. And uh, I, I, I really can't recommend it enough. It really has a very different feel in some of the pacing, too. I, 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 think, I think that the new cut works really well. So I have talked about the Star Trek novels, the trilogy of books that is wrapping up the Star Trek novel universe, which really kind of went in a different direction mm-hmm. uh, for the characters. And now that we're, we're into producing, you know, new post-nemesis Star Trek, you know, Star Trek Picard, it really changes, you know, what they had done. And so uh, Simon and & Schuster and Paramount have given the writers who uh, were writing all of these Star Trek novels the opportunity to kind of close out their universe. And at the end of the second book, I mean, everybody dies. I mean, I I hope you don't (laughs) feel attached to just a whole lot of people in Star Trek because so very many people die. And you're really whittling it down to, you know, just a core set of characters to follow in book three. I have to say, I think books one and two were could have been one book. You know, it didn't need to be two books. It just, you know, I think because there were three core authors that uh, they each they wanted to give them each a novel. And it just seemed like, you know, maybe we didn't need, you know, three books, maybe two would have been fine. And the but I got to tell and I was really underwhelmed with both of those books because they just felt fat. Um, but I got to tell you, I started book three Friday, you know, two days ago, and it is so good. Um, I mm-hmm. am surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. You know, usually a Star Trek novel, you know, the, the usual Star Trek novel is kind of like eating candy. You know, you like it, but it's not a meal, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the There are a few of them that are meal-worthy. Uh, that I have gone back for, you know, a second, even a third reading because I've just enjoyed the ideas so much. This one feels like that. This one feels like uh, it's going to be something that I'm going to come back to because it is really well thought out uh, and deeply appreciated. The book is called Coda Book Three, and uh, it, it is subtitled Oblivion's Gate. And I have to, I have to keep going back to look at it because one thing I'll say is that these titles have no special meaning to me. 
<laughs> you know, the, 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 the prior two books are so forgettable. I couldn't tell you what their titles were other than it was Coda Book One, Coda Book Two. Um, the little subtitle I just have, have, uh, no recollection of. But this, uh, Coda Book Three written by, uh, Mr. David Mack is awfully darn good. It's awfully okay. darn good. Okay. So, uh, is that, is that Kabuki David Mack or no? Uh, no, it is not. He, this is a Star Trek novelist, uh, David Mack, but I I am, I am very much enjoying it and, uh, I will provide a, uh, you know, some additional comments on our Instagram feed when I'm finished because, uh, I'm going to burn through this probably today or tomorrow. Okay. Very exciting. Keep an eye out for that. IOMgeek.com. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, well, do you want to talk about maybe some mercy, Paul? Eh, I mean, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the uh, the Star Trek episode Mercy, um, you know, follows Rafi and Picard to the interrogation room. And Paul, I was so excited to see uh, Mister Jake uh, Carnes as the FBI agent because yeah. you know he played Dutch in the Shield, and I got to tell you. I really sort of felt like we were seeing Dutch here interrogate uh, <laughs> Picard and uh, and uh, I said Rafi, but that's not her name. It's Lara. It's uh, Talon. Uh, Talon. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, he plays kind of the same character in this. You know, because <laughs> I don't. Did you watch the Shield? I did not. Okay. Well, in the Shield, he plays a a police officer who really wants to get in with the FBI. And he's kind of schlubby and kind of a joke, even though he's really talented at what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and he, you know, he, we never see whether or not he gets to join the FBI. I just, my headcanon here is Dutch finally joined the FBI. And, uh, you know, he's just been sort of wallowing away in mediocrity because of his issues. And uh, this is his big shot. I, uh, I, anyway, I, I, I was pretending that he was Dutch in, uh, in, in this episode. Well, and, you know, he has been in Star Trek before. He was in Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I I think a lot of fans were expecting him to this role to be related to, um, you know, he to, to that prior appearance of Jay Carnes because, you know, he was uh, enforcing the temporal prime directive, you know, time travel, mm-hmm. things like that. And we're like, oh, well, perhaps that ties somehow into this season. Spoiler warning. It does not. <laughs> he is genuinely playing like a, you know, a, a, an FBI agent who who experienced um, interaction with the Vulcans at a very young age and left him uh, hell bent on proving um, the existence of extraterrestrials. You know, and this is prior to the official first contact right. um, that we saw, you know, explored in Star Trek first contact, but you know, that the, the Vulcans were on earth previously. He saw them as a child and I had an issue with this, Aaron. What, what was your issue, Paul? You know, I, I know a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, the Vulcans didn't show up until first contact, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, there's that. My issue was more and perhaps, and, and I'm sure you will clarify it and I'll feel better about this. <laughs> Okay, bring it on, Paul. So this this season of Star Trek Picard takes place in the year 2024, and you know Jay Carnes, you know they they portray him as a child. So um, let's go ahead and say he's in his 50 something now. So let's go ahead and say 40 years ago okay. is is when the flashback occurs. So you know somewhere in the 1980s, mm-hmm. 
And I have, I, I don't have much of an issue with the Vulcans necessarily being on Earth in that time frame, despite, you know, the continuity concerns with that. But I had an issue with there being transporter technology in the 1980s, given how transporter technology was still in its infancy in Star Trek Enterprise. So I'm going to agree with you there uh, in one, in, in one, per, in one sense. Now, Star Trek Enterprise, the television series, established in the episode Colt Creek, I want to say, that Mm -hmm. the Vulcans had actually visited Earth as early as the 1950s. Yes. Um, But we didn't see transporter technology there. And to your point, transporter tech was recently discovered uh, later in the, in the first season of Star Trek Enterprise, which is much later than the 1950s. Uh, so I agree. I, the, the transporter technology seemed problematic to me in this episode. It seemed inconsistent with what we know. Uh, now I'm sure a writer could clean that up for you with a comment, but it, it, it seemed, uh, it, it, it seemed out of place because yeah, what carbon. I have always gathered, yeah, so by the way, what was that? Carbon Creek. Carbon You're right. Creek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carbon Creek. Um, the, uh, the, the, the perspective that I've always had was that transporter tech was human technology, that it was, it yeah. was created by, uh, earthers and then shared with, you know, our allies, uh, I could be wrong on that, but that was always the perspective that I had in uh, the series Enterprise. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that it was. I believe it was unlike warp technology, which already, you know, existed. You know, the the, the Vulcans had warp technology, and that we were slow to develop. I feel like transporter tech was something that that we developed and brought to the table. So anyway, I I, I, I bumped on that as well in this episode. Yeah, minor. I mean, it's minor in the grand scheme of things. But when, but here's the thing: something, some, it just takes you out of the story. Like the, like you said, the, the Carbon Creek, and I, you know, I had a minor issue with that. But to your point, yeah. But then someone posted about Carbon Creek, and I'm like, okay, fair, fair. However, <laughs> the, you know, the, the it. it, it I have not seen any establishment of of the teleporter technology being, you know, first invented hundreds of years prior, right, by any other race than the humans, right. Um, and I know, again, it's a minor thing, but then, but it when, but it takes you out of the story for that moment. Oh, it really, it really does. It really does. Um, I, I had an issue in the prior episode with Guinan's scream to summon Q. Uh, yeah, it just looked weird. Um, but we did get to see Q show up. You know, he finally responds to the summoning and has some sort of of sense to be able to track her down, even though he he seems to be absent his his other superpowers. Uh, I thought it was an interesting exchange between Q and and Guinan in that scene, and I feel like maybe we've seen the last of Guinan in this series. Um, I would say so. I don't I, I don't see how they can. Uh... You know, bring her. Yeah. I mean, there's one more episode, so it's possible. Yeah, but. but I did really enjoy her in this series, other than her weird scream that she had. It was a very weird scream, yeah. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it made you uncomfortable. Well, you know, they made a big deal in the production about how she tried out a number of different screams uh, oh. for the uh, for the you know director and whatnot, and. 
what it looked to me was that it wasn't a scream at all. It was her holding her mouth open and they'd edited in some sound. I mean, I didn't feel like she was screaming. It just it looked like a really weird uh, sort of thing. But anyway, just saying, I just thought that was weird. But otherwise, I've, I just have really enjoyed her performance. So Gerardi runs into uh, Rafi and Seven. And you know, knocks him around. And I hate the thing where you, where the uh, person hits you, and you have to sit out the rest of the fight, even though you're conscious. Yeah. Seven was conscious, but I guess had her bell rung and couldn't get back up, even though Rafi is, you know, about to get her neck snapped by uh, the, you know, the board queen slash Gerardi. And you know, clearly Gerardi exerts some influence and, and drops Rafi. But I, if you're gonna have a character sit out the scene, knock him out. Don't have them just sitting there dazed on the ground. Also, we saw the, that twice, really, in these past two episodes. Yeah, and the the phaser was on the ground. I mean, I really expected, you know, Seven to pull some ninja shit and roll over there and grab that phaser. You know, I I, I just I found that really frustrating. But uh, these are all minor minor quibbles. I I did I I did and do continue to enjoy. Uh, these episodes, but there are just certain things. I'm like, come on, you could have, you guys could have staged that better. And also and for me, when the, ahead. when the board queen is running at you, you just shoot her. You don't try and reason with her. Yeah. You know, and there is a, there is a stun. Your, put setting. your weapons on stuns. Yeah. 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 I, I noticed that quite in, in a number of these episodes, you know, the Borg had taken over some humans. I, you know, and I actually, I did notice this earlier in the season. I will say, I noticed earlier in the season when, you know, the the crew of the La Serena was in the alternate reality. This crew has no problem killing people. Yeah, killing them dead. Yeah. Like you know, we see in episode nine, uh, they 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 stab a guy like through the neck, and I'm like, oh, you know, and and they transport people to like in the middle of walls, and I'm like, <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we have two characters on this show who have been brought back. Yeah, from being assimilated by the Borg. We are literally actively trying to negotiate Gerardi, you know, with Gerardi coming back from being assimilated by the Borg Queen. But all these other people, like, ah, just kill them. Just kill them dead. And don't you keep expecting, you know, rewind to early on in the season, Gerardi operated on the uh, policeman who Mm -hmm. came to La Serena that the Borg Queen, you know, uh, nearly killed. Oh yeah. Don't you, I keep expecting that a couple of nanoprobes made it into him and that he has been, you know, assimilated on the down low. I keep expecting this guy to show up. You know, every time we cut back to La Serena, I'm like, is the cop there? <laughs> no, is he going to show up in the back? Is he going to be the surprise left behind on earth, you know, with it with it with a new board nation to be built? I just I I I just feel like, you know, something happened there. Yeah. So. You know, you had mentioned that you still continue to enjoy Picard. Mm-hmm. And I will say I enjoyed episode nine, hide and seek. Mm-hmm. But around the midpoints of Picard, I really started struggling with it. Oh, really? I found I found I found a, a decrease for me in the quality of the writing and the acting and the it just started not making sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started to feel like. You know, like when they introduced the FBI agent, that really just basically did nothing in the grand scheme of things other than add an extra episode. Yeah. Um, you know, because in the end, you know, in, in, at the end of episode eight, Mercy, 
he just lets them go. You know, they talk him into letting him go. And well, that's how we solve problems in Star Trek, though. We don't fight our way out. We talk them out. No, I, I appreciate that. I mean, and, and you know, obviously that's that's the that's the thing about Star Trek. It's not always a gun battle, right? You know, sometimes it's a you know, it, it's about the betterment of mankind, even but, though we murdered all these other people. Well, and that's the real science fiction here is that anybody has their opinion changed because <laughs> 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 that does not happen in 2022, 2023, and I don't see it happening in 2024. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it, for me, like episodes six, seven, and eight, you know, between the musical number and some of the random things, a lot of it felt very stretched um it was really like those three episodes Mm -hmm. six seven and eight where i really started to feel this weird turn in the writing you know soon automatically became this unsympathizable character and now he's basically just generic evil guy Mm -hmm. you know it's it's definitely taken a turn again episode nine i actually really enjoyed um you know it leads it leaves us in a very weird space for episode yeah. 10, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Right. But, uh, you know, I would say episode eight, I was just like, wow, like what is happening in this show? Like, it feels like they're just stretching. Like, again, this FBI thing, it feels like a lot of missed opportunities for me. Um, you know, and, but again, then it turned around in episode nine and then produced an episode I, I enjoyed that finally, you know, led to some form of resolution and things tying up a little bit for episode 10. The thing that I, that I have struggled with over the last couple of episodes is the uh, remembrance that Picard's having and how tortured mm-hmm. he is about what happened with his mom. Uh, I feel like what bothers me about it is that this is a profound trauma for him that we have never seen before, and yet it's crippled him at this point. Um, and I wish that there was a little writing to explain that. I could live with it's a memory that surfaced now that he's an android, or I could live with it is you know early onset dementia, and he now you know the the fact that he had suppressed. The, uh, the, those memories now they're, they're coming back, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the safeguards that he had psychologically built within himself are, are, are withering away. I, I would accept either one of those, but there's no, there is no addressing why is this surfacing now? You know, why is this yeah. so debilitating to him now? In uh, his eighties or, you know, whatever age yeah. he's in continuity and you know, that, that it has never crippled him before yeah and it it could also be something that q did to him right you know to to push this on him but you know we hear that that you know in episode nine that this is a repressed memory this is something that that he had not even thought of in fact he makes a comment to the where no one has gone before episode where you know his an image of his elderly mother appeared to him and you know he makes the comment says yeah you know i used to imagine that she you know that she was older and would drop by for a cup of tea and a chat you know uh when clearly you know she did not grow to to be an older person um Mm -hmm. that said uh hey picard your mom's kind of cute just saying. <laughs> I mean, not yeah, but. I mean, you know, you, you, hey, 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 Picard, your dead mom, kind of cute. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, 
I am frustrated at how much time we're spending in those tunnels under the house. You know, uh, now they they serve they actually serve a purpose in episode nine in helping them move along. But you know his his memories of that. You know uh, his uh, his I guess I never really knew my father. The fact that he is remembering that not at eighty years old. But at 120, right? Because that's how old he act- yeah. Picard actually is. I just I find all of that really frustrating. Unless there is a, I need them to explain the reason for it, as opposed to me having to create my own headcanon for it. Yeah, they did hint at something in a prior episode that Q was bringing these memories forth to force Picard to to you know as as, yeah. as you know to, to to test Picard in this way. But it was so subtle, yeah. and you know to to the point that. You know, if this if these repressed memories of his mother and we've talked about this, you know, in, in prior episodes of this show, if these memories were truly inhabilitating or dehabil- whatever, inhibiting <laughs> Picard in any way, it, it feels like it would have manifested itself sometime before he was in his 120s. Other than right. the fact that, you know, we, we've talked about like yeah, his love life is really the only way in which is in which this has manifested itself. And in the end. That really could just be explained away as, you know, his love is the sea. Right. More so. Right. And um, so, you know, it, it, it does feel a little odd. And, you know, going back to my earlier point on revisiting Star Trek Generations, now his mom's dead. So is Renee's mother a different woman? And if so. Well, Renee is his older brother. Renee is his older brother. Yeah. Perhaps Renee has moved away from home at this point. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, yeah. that's how they're going to you know explain. They're well, not going to explain that, but I, I, perhaps that's what happens. And my head canon on that is that Renee is away at school. You know yeah. that he uh, that he is a uh, you know he is a, of an older age and you know, is perhaps going to some you know a very you know British or French uh, you know British. boarding school. Yeah, because you know I guess they're French even though he, they they have you know English accents. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all three of them yeah 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 you know i mean it's hysterical that uh you know gaius baltar his dad you know yeah. sounds sounds very much you know uh, of the uk and uh, as does his mother it makes no sense at all i guess maybe maybe what's happened by the time we get to the 23rd century is that england has fully colonized uh, the French countryside. And, uh, <laughs> Look at all this headcanon we're exploring. What cracks me up, you know, is, uh, you know, when they actually hired a French actress to come and work on Star Trek, she made it like a week. You know, when they hired uh, Jean-Vierre Bujold to play Janeway, yeah. uh, you know, she didn't she didn't make it, you know, hardly any time at all, uh, you know, because, you know, the French, you know, they just quit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, now we're gonna get canceled, Aaron. <laughs> Nobody cares about the French, Paul. You can say whatever you want to about the French. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like for instance, oh. why did why did the French plant trees along the Champs Elysees so the Nazis could march in the shade? <laughs> <laughs> That's, look at look at us. I mean, that's intelligent humor, here, uh, <laughs> historical humor here on uh, on Star Trek with Aaron yeah, Pauly. I don't know if it's intelligent humor, but it, but it yeah, is it's, it's a historical humor. Yeah. You know, it's partly you know for <laughs> we're going to talk about anything other than Star Trek right now. No, um, you know, so, so episode eight, like I said, I had a little bit of an issue with it. It was basically 
we we've established that Gerardi is still inside the body of, of the Borg queen mm-hmm. and um, you know, seven and Rafi do a little battle with her. Picard and Guinan are let go by the, by the rogue FBI agent. Um, and you know uh, what, what I found, what I found interesting about this is, you know, Picard Ger- and Guinan, you know, they, they have spent this time together. They've summoned Q Q, you know, basically does his Q thing, walks off. And um, then Guinan's like, all right, go do your thing. Like she doesn't actually proceed to continue to help Picard. She's just like, have fun facing the board without me. Yeah. And deuces. I found that kind of funny. Like, eh, all right, well, I know you still have a lot left in your mission, but I've, I, I've helped enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that Guinan is not known for being a character who participates in the action. Right. But it, you know, it, at this stage in her life, it feels kind of an interesting choice that she's just basic, like she well, hands him a gun and sends him on his merry way kind of thing. Given how angry she was earlier mm-hmm. in the season and given how recent, you know, comparatively the destruction of her world uh, to at the hands of the Borg, you'd think she'd be motivated to jump in there. Right. Yeah. But she was not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just odd to me. It's just odd yeah. to me. Well, uh, you know, the, here's my big gripe about episode nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the Gerardi Borg lady uh, returns to La Serena with her army of drones that she's made. And they're, you know, they're walking around with machine guns and whatnot with laser pointers on them. And our characters are washed in laser pointers. Yeah. And at no point. <laughs> Does any one of them other than uh, uh, Chris get shot? You know, and yeah. I'm like, okay, if you're enhanced as a drone, I would think that you would have a faster response time. And when you see that that uh, pointer land on somebody, you'd go ahead and shoot them. I don't understand that. I mean, other than it looks cool, if you've got the laser pointer on you, you know, odds are you're going to die. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I'm just saying. you know. It's um like I, I've already mentioned that it's it felt odd to me that one, you know, again, they have been negotiating with the assimilated body of Gerardi to bring for Gerardi. She's still in there. She's right. still in there. But all these other people. Yeah. Fuck those guys. We don't know them. They, they literally <laughs> like stab a guy in the face. Yeah. But I mean, that's the same thing in first contact. Right. I, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember the character's name. Uh, the, the lady that he brings up to the enterprise play. Oh um, yeah. I don't recall her name either. But you know, I mean, she makes it the case, you know, you know, uh, they, they rescued you, you know, because, you know, Picard becomes Lacutus and then, I mean, and he gets a full on Borg treatment, right? They're able to save him to your point. Uh, yeah. They're just they're just gunning down all the drones. And, you know, part of me is like, well, I guess, you know, they don't have the tools there to reclaim them. But I would also think, you know, because these are primitive Borg, you know, in in Star Trek The Next Generation, they would evaporate, you know, after they got shot or at least early on. You know, later on, they didn't do that quite so much. But, you know, you'd shoot a Borg and they would they would evaporate. Um what are you going to do with all these nanoprobes floating around these, you know, dead drones? Because, you know, we've seen elsewhere that it just takes the one nanoprobe, which is why I fully believe that we're going to see that cop again. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, again, it, it, it for me, if they're trying to negotiate with Gerardi, perhaps they can say, "Hey, Gerardi, take all these drones these, with you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, help. Can you help these people? Because that we do see that in episode nine, that Gerardi, you know, still in the body of the Borg Queen, negotiates with her to, "Hey, maybe there's a new way of doing things. Maybe, yeah. maybe we don't need to assimilate." Which you know, in the hundreds of years. Uh, of continuity that we've seen established for the Borg. No one's negotiated with them that, hey, you know, maybe befriend people instead of assimilating them. And the Borg Queen goes, hmm, maybe. Well, and I got to tell you, I do kind of like where they are on that. I did too. Because it's not that, you know, because we, we have seen our heroes try and negotiate with the Borg in the past, and it's never worked out. Either the Borg weren't interested or the Borg lied. You know, so the Borg weren't interested in Next Generation, and the Borg, you know, lied and betrayed them in Voyager, right? But this is a very different Borg queen because she has seen the inevitability of entropy uh, in all of these various futures she's monitored. And, you know, I think it's she's finally at a place where she can say, okay, maybe cooperation is the way to go. And maybe, maybe, Gerardi's speech, you know, how much more passionately would a Borg defend something that they chose versus having it forced upon them. I mean, I really liked that argument, and I really liked that take. And I, you know, one of the things I love about Star Trek, Paul, is when we watched the original series, you never could imagine a Star Trek where the Klingons were an ally, right? And then here we come into Star Trek The Next Generation, and, and God dang it, there's a Klingon on the bridge, right? Yeah. And winds up being one of the most popular characters in The Next Generation and then into Deep Space Nine. Here we are with our vicious, unre- unrelenting enemy, the Borg. And I can already see it. I mean, I can already see a, a, a scenario where the Borg join, join the Federation and that we have a Borg officer in Starfleet. I can see that, and that excites me. Because yeah. I think I think that's the, that's the brilliance of what we do in Star Trek, and I'm excited for that. I really am. But you know, as as excited as I am for the season finale, this is the first time I think in any Star Trek series where I have not a fucking clue what's going to happen. I, I kind of feel that way about it. Yeah. You know, you know, the the Borg Queen has taken off with La Serena, right? Leaving leaving the rest of the the surviving crew. So you know, Gerardi is on the the ship. We saw Elnor return as a hologram, um, a, a somehow very very sentient hologram, um, you know, to to protect the ship, and you know, but the 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 Borg Queen has escaped with has left with the La Serena, leaving the rest of the crew on Earth. To somehow, you know, save this mission from from Renee Picard in the past, which I, I thought had already been resolved, but mm-hmm. soon is still out there and still hell bent on on ruining the mission. So yeah, I, I think that's the open the thread that's left. But you know, we we knowing that season three is coming, knowing that it features Picard, re, you know, uh, doing uh, a, you know one one final mission with his next generation crew. We know they get back to the present. We know that things are, are somehow reestablished. Continuity is reestablished. It's, you know, so that takes away some of the impact, but it's like, 
Okay, but how? Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> only thing that I see available to them now to get home, because I don't think Talum has the technology for that. You know, yeah. she's got certainly got the technology to transport them back to L.A., but she doesn't have the, tra- the, the technology to transport them through time. So the only way I see them getting back is if they somehow help Q get his powers back and solve whatever this is. But, you know, right now... Q isn't a super god anymore. He's just kind of a guy with a lot more intuition than uh, we would normally expect. Um, it's either so going to be Q or Wesley Crusher. It's going to be one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of baffled at, at where this, where this, where this is going. Um, but I'm excited. I, I, I dig it. Even though, I, I, you know, we talked a lot when um, the characters arrive in L.A. that okay, be careful of butterflies. And you know, we're we're questioning the the issue with uh, Chris and you know his doctor girlfriend that he appears to be romancing, mm-hmm. and you know what might happen there. And you know, now that she knows what she knows, how does that impact the future? Well. What about sending a Borg queen off in, you know, 21st century space to go out and do all kinds of things that didn't happen before? You know, I mean, yeah. it seems to me like she's going to impact the timeline pretty hard, pretty, yeah. pretty, more. pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. You know, and, uh, okay. No, I just, I'm just saying I, that that seems to me problematic because you know you're not just worried about the history of earth you're worried about the entire history of the galaxy because you know we all bump into each other so I mean, to be fair that wasn't their choice right like they were no. injured and she let she basically let them go versus you know it, it's not like they let her go uh you know so, so there, there's that but it, it is very curious um to see okay well that feels like it's going to come back to bite them at some point oh yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm very curious, like you said, I'm very curious to see where this final episode goes. And, uh, you know, it comes out this Thursday along with the final, the first episode of Strange New Worlds, both yeah. this coming Thursday, May 5th. And Aaron, I want to read you something. Oh, dear. So, um, is this I your letter of resignation? It is my letter of resignation. <laughs> um, but also, I, I, I think today is, while we record this on Sunday, May 1st, is perhaps when the, um, what do you call those things where the media can't release a review until oh, yeah the embargo the embargo I feel like yeah. the media embargo has been lifted as of today yeah and so Gizmodo.com Strange New Worlds has the classic Star Trek vibe that you've been waiting for the first five episodes of Strange New Worlds more than proved there's a place in contemporary Star Trek for some breezy exciting and self-contained stories Strange New Worlds re-embraces okay, well let me start this Star Trek's grand return first with Discovery, and now with what feels like a whole flotilla of series, transformed the franchise into a series of heavily serialized adventures for the most part, a distinct break from the style that had largely guided the franchise for half a century prior. With Strange New Worlds, it re-embraces that format once more, and in doing so, stands apart among its contemporaries as some of the best Trek around. So, and this article basically praises the show, um, and, 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 they, and they've seen the first five episodes. Of the, the season. So um, I had I had good. seen some headlines. I'm not reading anything, so I want to go in and spoil oh, some headlines that <laughs> if it well, was no, I'm just, I wouldn't have read it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I but I, I, I saw the headlines and the headlines were all very favorable. There was the premiere last night uh, that they oh, had in L.A. And I, I saw a lot of the the images come out of that. And I, I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. This is the this is the series I have just been so 
jonesing for. I, I, I'm, I'm eager to have a more traditional style Star Trek show. Don't get me wrong, I'm really enjoying Picard. Uh, season two, I think, is far and away better than season one. I agree. Uh, I, I am very much looking forward to you know, kind of getting back into a traditional Star Trek groove in Strange New Worlds, in you know, so with 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 utilizing and employing uh, current day uh, uh, you know social uh, what's the word I'm looking for you know I you know there is a lot that's politically Informed incorrect. Current, current Thank you. And, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and. I gotta say, I saw something online this week that says, you know, it, referring to them as strange new worlds, isn't that othering alien worlds? And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I, I really hope that was a joke. I really hope that was a joke. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, we want to know what you thought about uh, Picard's episode 8 and 9, and uh, what you think about next week's finale and next week's premiere. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Well, and we've mentioned it earlier in the show, but you can also hit us up on social media, I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, Paul, enjoy your trip, and when you get back, we'll have a lot of Star Trek to talk about. We will, and we'll talk to you guys then. Bye, guys. Hi, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 